All right, all right, take your seats, everybody. This time we're talking about slowing down. Take your seats, please. Thank you. This is the Change Academy podcast, a show where we explore what it takes to create a healthy mindset, sustainable habits, and a lifestyle that allows you to achieve your goals calmly and methodically. I'm Monica <laughs> Reinagle. And I'm Brock Armstrong. You know what? Things move pretty quickly these days, and we often feel like we need to make a decision or make a change or make a difference or achieve a goal quickly. But if something is worth doing, especially if we want those benefits to be meaningful and lasting, shouldn't we be willing to take our time? Well, in this episode, we're going to help you do two things. Number one, we're going to help you determine if you are rushing into a decision to change without considering the realities. Or number two, trying to create change in, well, too much of a hurry. That's right. I think it's going to be a good one. I do too. So this is the time of the episode where we usually talk about something that we're working on or something that you guys are working on. And we had a comment from listener Melanie, and she was commenting on the episode, Why We Say Yes. And this is what she wrote. Rock and Monica, this is a really interesting episode. I'm working through the exercise with a few different items after listening, and I've also been thinking of those questions in terms of things I don't give myself permission to hmm. do. I'm curious if it could help me flip my brain to allow the time more. That's interesting. So it sounds like she's also kind of inverting that process and not just looking at the reasons she says yes to things that maybe she doesn't want to be saying yes to as often, but why she doesn't allow herself to do things that she feels would serve her. Is that what you got from her comment? Yeah, I think it's equally as exciting or interesting to look at the reasons why we say no to ourselves yeah. as it is to to look at why we say yes. And I think we had that implied in that episode. So I'm interested in what Melanie comes up with, because that is uh, that is definitely part in parcel in this. And in fact, I sent her a link to a blog post that you wrote, well, maybe about a year ago, about what are you saying no to when you say yes to something? That's right. Because again, those are so intrinsically linked. Every time you agree to do something, well, that takes time from something else that you could be doing. Yeah. And also, I, I think I can also read between lines of Melanie's comment that sometimes we talk ourselves out of doing, oh, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that. That seemed important. It seemed like a good idea, but I just, I don't have time for it. And we convince ourselves that we don't have room for those things in our lives. And so it looks like she's picking up the corner of that to look underneath as well. I think this should be really fruitful research for Melanie. Yeah, one of the things I started thinking about after I read her her comment was I just immediately started thinking about how difficult I find it to make purchases. <laughs> I'm one of those people that always, like I, I put things in my shopping cart a lot, but I abandon my shopping cart 99.9% .9 of the time. And then I end up getting those emails saying, hey, you forgot your shopping cart. And like, no, I didn't forget it. I talked myself out of it because I, I do find it a lot easier to say no to purchases than I do to say yes to them. But then there are other things in my life that I find very easy to say yes to. <laughs> so it's, it is a really worthy thing to, to look into and see which aspects of your life you're willing to just be like, hell yeah, let's do it. And other parts where you're like, well, uh, you're maybe a little overly cautious. Yeah, but I think what ties Melanie's comment into the topic for this episode is she mentioned allowing herself time to do something mm -hmm. and giving herself yeah. permission to take time. And that's actually what we want to talk about today. Yeah, in fact, one of the 
reasons why I wanted to do this topic was because a while ago on our Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash change ACPOD, it's change ACPOD, um, somebody actually commented on there, made this suggestion, this hot tip that you can actually listen to our episodes at one and a half or two times speed. Uh, most of you podcast listeners are probably familiar with that little button in your podcatcher that uh, allows you to speed up the episode so you can get through it a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that comment really caught my attention for a few reasons. One, because I spend a lot of time trying to make this podcast sound really good. And when you speed it up, it gets all kind of squirrely and choppy and stuff. And it sounds a little unnatural. Yeah, guys, just in case you didn't realize, Brock does all the sound engineering on this podcast. So round of applause for Brock. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. And the second reason that it kind of, I guess, got under my skin a little bit is because, well, these episodes are pretty short, like compared to some podcasts out there that are like 90 minutes or three hours, (laughs) our 20 some minute long episodes are pretty short. But you know what really what mostly sort of perked my uh, my interest was just the whole idea of like, why are you in so much of a hurry? The stuff that we talk about in this podcast are not get fixed quick schemes or anything like that. Like we're we're investing some time and we're looking at the long game and stuff. So why do you want to rush through the through the episodes? It's a good question, but I totally recognize this. We all have or many of us have an impulse to to just get the information in faster. And I think sometimes we think that Mm -hmm. that way we'll be able to get in more information. If we just stuff it in faster, we'll be able to take in more. And I think that this mistakes knowing for doing, it confuses knowing about something with actually knowing what you know after you've tried to do it. Because of course, knowing is just the beginning of of a process of change we then need to put it into action because of course it never goes the way we think it will. (laughs) So we need to learn (laughs) that. But I think we often do just feel like if we can acquire the information, then the change is as good as made. I guess this really also plays into that idea of just being focused on the outcome that all we want to do is we need to get to the, the finish line. We need to get to the outcome in order to enjoy ourselves or in order to to feel the benefits of the things that we've worked on. And and that totally negates or forgets all the value and the fun and the pleasure and the satisfaction that comes from the actual process of what we're doing rather than just rushing to the finish line. Yeah. And, you know, this is exactly why we chose. So, you know, we have a year long program that a lot of people do with us every year. And the content, the curriculum for that 52 week program, of course, exists. But we drip that content out one topic every week, at least for the first half of the program. And the reason we did that is because we knew if we didn't, (laughs) that that in their rush to get to the result that they want to create by doing the Way Less program with us, so many people would go in and just read the first six, eight, 20 weeks of stuff in one or two sittings. And we knew that that was not only not going to help them, but would actually set them back. And so we kind of enforced that taking time by slowing down that process and invite them to take that time and that energy and that eagerness to practice and internalize and explore each thing before they move on to the next one. But you know what, if I were doing the program, I would have the same temptation. So, you know, I would, I would, I would have to protect myself from that as well. Yeah. And to be completely honest, I recently did a cognitive behavior therapy for 
insomnia program and it was a book and in the book it was like parceling it out it was supposed to be done week by week and i was supposed to be doing all this journaling and stuff but i read the book in three days and just <laughs> crammed it all in because i just wanted to get the information yeah. now i i was using it for a different reason i wanted to learn about it so i could actually help other people with their insomnia not necessarily applying it to myself so i did feel a little vindication <laughs> a little more leeway to allow myself to do that but it is a real problem and and we'll get into some of the some of the thoughts of why this has become such a a, a problem in in our lives but but first of all you might be thinking while we're talking about this like we've presented this as as slowing down and not being in such a rush but you could really think of this as as that practice of mindfulness and that idea of mindfulness is really something that has really grabbed hold over the last couple of years. I know Monica and I both have written blog posts and podcast episodes, Monica at the Nutrition Diva and me at my Get Fit Guy podcast about using mindfulness for things like nutrition and for exercise and stuff. But the reason I didn't want to, and, and Monica may agree or disagree with me, I didn't want to actually use that term, especially in the title of this episode, because I feel that mindfulness has gotten a, not a bad rap, but it's got an overly complicated reputation. And it really doesn't have to be that idea of like parceling off part of your day to go sit in a quiet room and practice mindfulness. It really is something that you need to be doing on the fly. And in order to do it on the fly, you need to slow down. You need to actually take that moment, take that breath, take that second to appreciate or evaluate or whatever it happens to be that moment that you are, are currently in or with that behavior that you're about to exhibit. So some of you out there may be thinking, this sounds a lot like mindfulness, Brock, and you're absolutely right. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with the framing of it because we do hear that term so much now we've almost stopped thinking about what it means <laughs> we, yeah. we kind of jump to another conclusion so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm mindful right. yeah. <laughs> leave me alone but you know the truth is that sometimes slowing down is actually part of what we are trying to learn it's not just a means to an end it's in a way part of the ends i'm always amused when i used to take yoga classes in person when we did that um you get to the end of the class and there's always that savasana portion, which mm -hmm. where you, um, you lay down and you get very still and it's sort of a, if you're me, a, you fall asleep. <laughs> it's a coming to stillness. And as soon as we would do this, as soon as the teacher would start to transition into that part of the practice, there'd always be these people who would get up and start like stealthily rolling up their mats and then like tiptoeing mm -hmm. across the dead bodies on the floor to get out of the studio because of course they did not have time to lie there and do nothing. And that of course completely misses the point because Savasana, it may look like you're doing nothing, but that nothing doing is a very intentional and very functional part of the yoga practice that if you skip, you know, you're really, you're really skipping something that is, intended to integrate the work that you've just done in the class. So it's an example of how we don't understand that stillness and slowing down is not only how we learn, but sometimes it's what we need to learn. Yeah. There's that old joke about uh, the person who goes to study meditation and they ask sort of typical type A Westerner. And so they ask their meditation teacher, okay, how many, how long do I have to do this every day to get the benefits? And the teacher says, well, you should be able to get good benefits if you can meditate 20 minutes a day. And the student says, oh my God, I can't possibly meditate 20 minutes a day. And the teacher says, 
Oh, well, in that case, you're going to need to meditate 60 minutes a day. (laughs) Burn. (laughs) (laughs) And I think one of the places that it is very evident is in social media. Our whole social media feed really reinforces this whole behavior. Like all of the info that we're really collecting on a daily basis is delivered to us in these short little memes or these little sound bites with captions because we can't even bother to turn on the audio because that would take extra time. Mm-hmm. And so we collect our news and our inspiration and our motivation and even vital information around things like like elections is the first thing that pops into my head right now or pandemics for that matter. Right. Like really vital information in, in chunks of time that are actually measured in seconds, not in minutes not in hours but I actually did a quick little little bit of research here and um, and found out that the average smartphone user unlocks their phone between 96 and 150 times per day ouch and you know what I can totally buy that for myself I think I might be on the lower end but I I totally buy that and that was actually according to internet trends they did a, a study of the actual smartphone um, data points, not of user reported stuff, but actually looking at how mm. many times the devices were reporting having been unlocked. So there's no lying going on there. Right. And the thing that really drove this idea home for me was that most people spend only one minute and 15 seconds on their phone once they've unlocked it. Yeah, it's a really quick hit. Yeah, really quick hit. We're getting all of this vital information and we're trying to feed it to ourselves in a minute and 15 seconds 96 times per day. (laughs) So it really, there's no wonder that we're just trying to, that we think we need to get our information and make these changes and make our our behaviors and achieve our goals and stuff quickly because we've put ourselves into a hyperspeed mode. Well, there's another way that I think social media contributes to our tendency to make quick decisions and expect change really quickly. And that's that we are looking at the last frame of the movie, you know, when we see these Mm. photos in our friends feeds or in a celebrity's feed, and we think, yeah, I want that. I want to have a a race medal around my neck. I want to hold up the cover of a book I just wrote. I want to be the after photo on a diet. Yeah, the after photo, whatever they're celebrating, we're looking at that one moment in time that of course comes at the end of a long process. But all we see is that result. And we think, yeah, I want that. And so we make sort of a impulsive decision, even just to ourselves, like, I'm going to do that. I totally want to do that. And we don't even take a moment to think about what would actually be involved and whether we're up for that, whether we're interested in the what it would take to cross that line. We're just focused on crossing the line. And I think the reason that matters is that if we're always kind of jumping into these kind of half-baked commitments based purely on an emotional response to the image of the end result, what ends up happening is we make and break a lot of promises to ourselves. And that may seem kind of harmless, like who gets hurt there? I'm not breaking my commitment to anyone else. I'm just telling myself, Mm. oh, I'm totally going to do that. And then I don't do it over and over and over again. But that's not harmless. (laughs) That's not a, a victimless crime. That really does undermine our relationship with ourselves like whether we can actually be counted on to do the things that we say, even to ourselves, we're going to do. And more importantly, I think it really undermines our confidence that we can mm. do what we set out to do. 
because we're constantly not. Yeah, integrity matters when it's yourself yeah. or for other people. Yeah. Uh, we did a whole episode about um, practicing not quitting. And that really is a, a big portion of what you were just talking about there is making sure that you're practicing not giving up on yourself. And when you do these sort of snap decisions to just, oh, I'm going to totally do that. And then you don't. Well, you're reinforcing, you're practicing that quitting motion again and again. Right. And when you practice not quitting, when you make that a habit, it forces you to be a little bit more circumspect about what promises right. you make to yourself. And so it's a very kind of a circular, we're trying to set up a virtuous cycle here. So one of the things that we can do to actually make sure that we're <laughs> aligning our integrity and, and making these commitments to ourselves with some good evidence and some good thought put into it is to just take that moment to slow down and apply some critical thinking, which is another thing that's <laughs> vastly missing from social media these days is using our ability to do critical thought. And once we do that, we can really, well, we can allow ourselves to make some much better decisions that are of course, more aligned with our beliefs and with our ultimate goals. Yeah. You know, as I was thinking about this this week, it occurred to me that a skill or a habit or a practice that we develop or acquire over a period of time, you know, in a slow, steady, extended sort of application of our energy, I think it's so much more likely to become a permanent part of our identity and of our life because we've just spent that much more time practicing it uh, and incorporating it into our lives, unlike something that we just chase in a in a big burst of unsustainable effort. And uh, our friend Mitch Harb, he was on the podcast a few months ago, had a great quote on his Instagram feed this week. It was, the goal should be creating a lifestyle where health is embedded in the day-to-day, -day, not just seeing how long your motivation will last. Hmm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I like that. I, I share Mitch's pain. We both, I mean, he's, uh, he's a fitness trainer just like me. And especially in my early days of fitness training, I'd often get hired by people who were like getting ready for a, a wedding or something yeah. or a, a family reunion or a, or a class reunion. That was a, a big one too. And they always left it to the very last minute to come to me and say, okay, I got to get in shape for this event. And, you know, that that's really evidence that we tend to view our lives as a series of short term goals mm. rather than playing that long game, like Mitch was saying. In the end, it's actually a whole lot easier to live the long game than it is to just keep jumping from the short term to short term. For example, it consistently doing a reasonable amount of exercise on a daily basis instead of power training your way into a marathon or something like that, or getting ready for your class reunion once a year, creating a lifestyle, like Mitch said, where health is embedded in the day to day is so much easier. It's not only more effective, but it's actually easier. Yeah, both. But you know, I, maybe there are some things in our lives that we want to achieve or do or have that we actually don't want to make permanent or durable parts of our lives. You know, it really is something sure. that we just want to do one and done. And, and maybe those things, it would be appropriate to just say, look, I'm going to knock this out in the least amount of time possible because this is not the rest of my life. I just want to do this. And so, you know, I'm sure there's, there's room for both, but I think we tend to be in that state of mind as our default mode. And I'm not sure that that mm -hmm. serves us. Yeah. And that really is the crux right there is being able to, like, like I said, apply that critical thinking to decide whether, well, this is just something I'm, I just want to see if I can do it. Yeah. Or if this is really something I should be spending some time and some energy and some, some commitment yeah. on. 
it, it makes me wonder, is it a goal or is it an objective? Ooh. Mm. I think we have an episode about that. Yeah, if you're new around here, you'll have to go track that one down. But uh, here's what I took away from our exploration of this topic this week. Number one, knowing or understanding how to do something isn't the same as actually doing it and experiencing no. it. And I think it's better to gather less information and apply what you gather than to gather lots of information and never put anything into action. Right. Number two, sometimes learning how to slow down and be more deliberate is part of what we need to learn to do in order to get the result we're seeking. Number three, before deciding to commit to a new goal or a challenge, let's be sure we understand what it's going to involve and whether we're actually willing to do what that will take so that we can have that integrity with the commitments that we make to ourselves. And lastly, those things that we acquire or develop through slow, steady work have a much better chance of becoming long-term habits. So if that's what you're after, then slow down and enjoy the ride. Slow down and enjoy the ride. <laughs> I love it. All right, it's my turn to do the lab experiment for this episode. So get yourselves ready. <laughs> so what we want you to do this time is to think of an area of your life where you feel like you're in a bit of a hurry or a major hurry to finish or to achieve something. And then ask yourself four questions. And the first question is, is trying to get there more quickly actually serving you or just causing you to cut corners? Hmm. And number two is, how could slowing down actually enhance either the process or the result or <laughs> the result and the process? Number three is, what do you need to adjust about either your actions, your beliefs, or your self-talk to allow yourself to actually slow down? And number four, what parts of the process, rather than the outcome, can you focus on that will actually bring you some pleasure and satisfaction right now? Yeah, it always comes down to the self-talk, doesn't it? It really does. I think this is going to be a, a big part for it a lot of the people who are listening right now, I know it was for me, is just giving yourself permission in a lot of ways to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Or just, hey, bud, what's the hurry? Where's the fire? Yeah. Well, as always, I will put that lab, lab experiment into writing for you and you will find it on our website in the show notes. And also, we also have a downloadable lab notes sheet that you can print out and take with you to make it a little bit easier for you to do. And if you'd like that to just come automatically to your inbox every single time <laughs> we drop a new episode, you can do that. Just put yourself on our mailing list at our website. All of that good stuff is waiting for you at changeacademypodcast.com. All right, everybody, let's see how slow we can make this next week. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to visit changeacademypodcast.com. <laughs>